good to see you all in the house this morning. Good morning to everyone online. Um, <clears throat> it's good to be up here once again, actually, um, to share and open and go into the Word of God with you together. Before I do break into the Word, why don't we just um, bow our heads? I just want to open in prayer this morning. Righteous and Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I just want to give you thanks, Lord, for this day, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, that we can be together, Lord, as brethren, um, in your name, Father, Lord, and we can open your word, we can go into your word and uh, see, Lord, what you have for us, Lord, see what you're speaking to us, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Father, Lord, for those you are healing, Lord. We declared it, Lord, and we know that it's happening, Lord, so we thank you for that. And Lord, uh, as we go through this service, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you will lead us, Lord, you will speak through me, use me as your vessel, Lord, to speak, Lord, and encourage your people. Lord, I pray these words in the almighty name of Jesus, our Christ and our Saviour. And everyone said, amen. amen and amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to start with a uh, short story this morning before I go into the word, into the main message. And the story is uh, about a conference that took place, a British conference that took place a number of years ago. And in, <clears throat> in the conference, they were uh, speaking and debating um, comparative religions. So there were experts gathered and they were talking about different religions around the world and what, if anything, made the Christian faith unique to any other religion. So they began eliminating different possibilities. They thought about, could it be incarnation? And they agreed that, well, it's not really going to be that because there are other religions, um, different religions that have versions of God's appearing. And then they said, could it be resurrection? And again, they agreed that there were other examples of religions that um, had accounts of returns uh, of different gods in human form. So the debate went on for some time. And then in walks C.S. Lewis and he says, well, what's all the debacle about what's going on here what's the rumpus about and uh, they explained what was going on and uh, he said well that's really easy it's grace and after some time they were speaking and they all really came to the same agreement and said well it is grace that makes the Christian faith different from any other faith and it's that grace that I want to speak about this morning as we know as believers it's the grace of God that saves us through faith, as declared in his word. And it's a grace that comes to us as a gift. It's nothing that we've done to earn it, deserve it, or warrant that grace from God. It's purely a gift. And as we sit here, we know that we've received that gift. We've acknowledged that and we've received it. Ephesians says that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. And not of your own selves. It's nothing that we've done. It is a gift of God. Not of our works, lest any man will boast. And that's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But my key scripture this morning is going to be from 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 8. So those of you with your Bibles, turn with me to that and we'll go through that. I'm going to, uh, actually, I'm going to start from the top of the, uh, of the uh, chapter. And it will come up on the... Uh, projector behind me for anyone that doesn't have it. So it reads these words. It says in 2 Corinthians 8, starting at verse 1, it says, 
We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a, for in a severe test of afflictions, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not to, as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, just to give you some context of the scriptures that I just read, this is Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. And Paul's addressed in, previous, um, uh, in his previous letter some tensions that had arisen between himself and the church, having rebuked them on some of their behaviours. And where we pick up in chapter 8 is Paul is addressing the topic of a collection that is happening for the afflicted church in Jerusalem. Um, so Paul refers to the churches at Macedonia when he, uh, uh, when he, that they have come through some persecution. And he refers to them saying that it's by the grace that they still maintain their joy, even in their extreme poverty. So having gone through the affliction, they are still retaining their joy. How many know that we must still retain our joy despite what we're going through? Our joy in the Lord, amen. It's not based on situation, it's based on having his joy that is in us, amen. So he, furthermore, Paul explains that the churches of Macedonia have a wealth of generosity. What does he mean by that? He says, well, according, um, according to their means, they gave, and they even gave beyond their means. Um, and it was all of their own accord. It wasn't anything that he suggested uh, or, or, or they sort of uh, encouraged them. It was all according to how they were, were filled with joy and the expression of that joy. And that's verse 1 to 4. Then Paul goes on to explain that the act, um, the act of the churches of Macedonia was not as they expected. So as Paul and, and the brethren at Jerusalem, it's not as they expected because they've gone through affliction, they've gone through um, uh, what they've gone through, and now they're, they're, they're in a, a place of poverty, you know, one would think, one would seem, one would believe. But actually they're saying, well, despite our situation, we still want to give, we still want to have this act of grace, as Paul speaks about, um, up to verse 5. And what I really want to focus on is from verse verse 6 and onwards. So verse 6 says this, it says, accordingly, we urge Titus that 
as he started, so Titus has been sent there before, but as he started in the works with the church at Corinthian, uh, Corinth, Paul now is going to send, them, send Titus again to continue that work with him. So he says, so he should complete among you, among the church at Corinth, the act of grace. <clears throat> now in verse 6, what we see is Paul's identified that what the, what the church of Corinth are doing or what, what they can be involved in is an act of grace. He says, you've agreed, and they agreed about a year earlier. Um, the scripture says that about, about a year earlier, they agreed that they'll give. And so Paul's coming back to mention that, well, you've agreed this, and despite what we've gone through, despite the rebuke and despite you know, tensions that are formed between us, you can still now participate in this act of grace. Because how many know that giving a gift, as God has given to us, that's an act of grace. It's nothing that you're, you're uh, um, pushed to do. It's an act of grace. And as we receive the grace from our Lord and Saviour, that can spill over, that should spill over, uh, 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 in our grace to others, our grace inside and outside of the church. So this is... Um, the act of grace that Paul's referring to here to the church of Corinth. Um, and then he goes on in verse 7, he says this, and he says, but as you excel in everything, now this is Paul saying, church, you're doing so well in so many areas, and he's encouraging them, he says, as you excel in everything, and he goes on and he says, you're excelling in faith, you're excelling in speech, you're excelling in knowledge, and in all earnestness. As you excel in these areas, he goes on and he says, see that you also excel in this act of grace. And I was thinking about this as I read this, I thought, it's so true that we can be doing so many things right. So many things, we can be attending church, we can be in our world, we can be part of, you know, in ministry, you know, serving. But let's not forget grace. Let's not forget that free thing that we can, um, that we can bestow on others as it was bestowed on us. We can bestow that same grace on others that they may not deserve it, it may be unmerited, but we can bestow that same grace on them. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying there's so many areas that you're doing well in, but don't forget the act of grace. Now, Paul's referring to the act of grace as in giving in this situation, but how much more can we, can, can we as a church do? How much more can any, any of us do? Amen, an act of grace is not just about giving in a certain area, it's about giving in all areas as and when it's necessary. He goes on in verse 8, and this is important because Paul makes it clear to them that it's not a command. It's not, I'm pushing you to do this. It's an encouragement. It's saying, we should recognise the grace that Jesus has bestowed upon us. And through that, through that, for receiving that and recognising that, that should be enough to compel us to, to express our grace to others. So he says, I say that not to command you, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. How many know that God is love? God is love, and he's an expression of his love, is his grace towards us. That's how he expresses it. We say we love, but that love has to be expressed. And the grace towards others is one way that we express our love towards others. 
And then in verse 9, Paul, Paul kind of wraps this up and he, and, he, and he brings it back to Jesus. He brings it back and he lets them know, look, for you know, we know, we know that grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, though he had everything, though he had no need to do anything, okay, yet for your sake, for your sake, for my sake, he became poor. He came down here. Now, I know some people think this is a fantastic place, but it's nothing like heaven. He left the splendor of heaven. He left the splendor of heaven to come down to this place to make himself poor, of no reputation, as it says in Philippians. Of no reputation. Come down here as, as, as a mortal man. Okay, and it says, so that your poverty might become rich. So Paul brings it back to Jesus and says, look, just in case you think I'm saying this, you know, you know, Paul says a lot, you know, and just in case you think I'm saying this, look at Jesus. This is our, we must look at Jesus. Because in our Christ-likeness, this is the thing, it's in our, it, if we say we're following after Christ, we, we, we should say this. Just as Paul said, we should look at Christ and say, well, look, he became poor. He became poor. He came down from heaven that we can be rich. Now, this is what grace is, isn't it? This is what grace is. It's a gift. It's you, you'll be giving something and it will cost the recipient nothing. It will, it will cost them nothing, but it will, it will cost you something. Amen. It cost Jesus something. We know what it cost him. It cost him his life here. He came down and it cost him his life. It cost him everything that we could make, be made rich. Rich how? Rich in eternal life. Rich in the forgiveness of sins. That we've been forgiven. Through his atonement. Through the shedding of his blood. So what Paul's saying here in verse 9, he's saying, listen, you, you may not want to listen to me, but look at Jesus Christ. Look at Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So seeing that we have received this gift of grace from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is it reasonable that we ourselves in our Christ-likeness can give that same grace, offer that same grace to someone else? That's a question, church. That's reasonable, right? It's more than reasonable, in fact. It's more than reasonable. You know, it's... Um, it's December, and, and in our household, I, I, I'm a bit of a Scrooge, I have to admit. I, I, no, and I, I'll explain, I'm a bit of a Scrooge because January to November, I don't want to hear about Christmas. I, honestly, I don't want to hear about Christmas. Um, um, and you know, nothing to do with, I want to hear about Christ every day, but I don't want to hear about Christmas. December the 1st, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Christmas songs, Christmas carols, this, you know, tinsel, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. You can do it, you can do it, uh, you know. But 31 days, that's it, for the festive stuff, you know. And, and it's wonderful, I, I do love it, I do, I do love it when it comes around. And I love gifts, I love gifts, you know. I, I like, I enjoy giving gifts, I, I really do. And, and, you know, people know me, I, 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 um, help myself as you know a good present giver you know I, I can get the gift and I can get find a good gift and and give it to someone it'll be what they want 
Now, especially, I especially like buying gifts for my wife. I Because I know what she likes and, you know, I've, I've never got her a bad gift. Imagine that. I've never got her a bad gift, right? So I love getting her a gift, right? He says, he says. <laughs> now, and I, and I, like get, I, like, I like buying gifts, I, I do. Um, I do like receiving them, but I really like getting them because I think I'm a good, good gift uh, giver or buyer. Yeah? Um, and, and as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the attributes of a gift, right? There, there, there are some things that, that, that a gift is and there are some things that a gift isn't, right? So, like, when you think about a gift, a gift is different from a loan, right? A gift is um, uh, you give it and there's no repayment. You know, when you receive a gift, you don't have to repay it. You don't, you know, some people may think, you know, give and give, but you don't have to give it back. You don't have to repay it. So it's different from a loan. You know, it doesn't cost the receiver anything, right? When you receive a gift, you're not thinking about how to pay for it. You receive it. It's yours. You enjoy it. Hopefully you enjoy it. You enjoy it, and, and that's your gift, right? When you give a gift, there's a transfer of ownership. When I buy a gift for my wife, it costs me something. But um, when I buy a gift for my wife, it does cost me, but when I give it to her, it's no longer mine, okay? Um, not that I like handbags, but it's no longer mine, right? So it's yours. There you go, it's yours, right? So there's a transfer of ownership, right? It's yours. And when you give a gift, here's the thing. The giver loses something, okay? I know about that. No, no, but you lose something. As a giver, you lose something. You relinquish something. You give it up, whether it's, you know, you've bought something, whether it's a, a gift of your time. You lose something to give it up, right? So these are some attributes of a gift. Now, check this out. The gift of grace is unmerited, it's unmerited. Now, you know, my wife smiles at me and I think, I want to give her a gift. You know, that's, that's merited. I love her smile, I give her a gift. You know, she cooks me some dinner, I give her a gift. Yeah. These are some things. But the gift of grace is unmerited. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do. So this is, when we think about gifts, because sometimes we, 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 on a natural level, we think about a gift, but... This gift of grace is like no other gift. The attributes of this gift, they're unmerited. Okay? It's, from, it's through the love of Christ that we receive this gift. So, again, I say that seeing as we've received this gift, this unmerited gift, nothing we've done, okay, is it reasonable that we should now bestow that gift on others? That should overflow and we should give it to others. Amen. There's a quote from um, uh, Gordon, Gordon MacDonald, and he said this. He said, the world can do almost anything as good as the church. You don't need to be a Christian to build houses. You don't need to be a Christian to um, heal the sick or feed the, 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 the poor. You, you don't need to be a Christian to do any of those things. Okay? And he says that the only thing that makes the church different from the world, you know, the thing that they cannot do, they cannot offer grace. Okay? They have not received that grace from God. They cannot offer that. But we can. And this is, this is the heart of the message today is that we love the world. We love the world. We want to reach the world. We do. But we have to recognize that they don't have what we have. And we, as the church, as the believers, 
we can show them. We can show them that one difference. You know, we look at some people in the world and we say, oh, wow, they're fantastic. They do this, they do that, they do it well. And admittedly, some of them, they do a lot well. But they cannot do grace. And we need to, we need to understand this gift that we have. Okay, we need to really, really value this gift that we have. It's not just grace, grace, grace. We hear this word, grace, God has given us grace. But what it really is, it's a tangible, it's a real thing for us. And when we go out, we can show them the difference. It's grace that's the difference. And that, through the love of Christ, that balls over in us, that's the grace that we show the world. We show it in the church as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I like what verse 7 said in our main scripture. If we can bring that up, verse 7, it says, look, but as you excel... Like, that should, be a, that should be a thing amongst us. Like, we read this, and we should excel in many areas. You know, Paul speaks about excelling in faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness. Yeah, we ought to excel, but we ought not to forget the main thing. Let's excel in our acts of grace. That's what we should be excelling in. You know, I, 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 like, I, I, I love our church. I, I, I love this church. I love how, you know, the leadership runs. I, lo- I love how everyone, you know, we all, we all um, play a part. You know, we all, um, you know, muck in, as my mum says. You know, we all, we, all, we all put our hands to the plough, you know. And that's the thing. It's grace that allows us to do that, to serve, to continue doing those things. You know, so I was thinking about in this time of Christmas, we're giving gifts, we're receiving gifts. We can give the gift of grace that the world cannot give. They don't know how to give. You know, I remember our, our um, Pastor Rana, uh, bless him, he's at home. I'm sure he's watching. And uh, he stood up here and he said that in, if you want to do something, if you want to try something, if you want to um, try your hand at anything, do it here in the church first. Why? Because there's grace here. You will have grace in this place. You may not have it out there like... like they don't know about grace. Do it here. Build yourself up in the church. What do you want to do? What have you been thinking about? You can try it here. You can try it here. Oftentimes we think that it's only out there you can, um, you know, you can start your business or you can, you, can, you can start whatever you want to do here. Whatever you want to do here. You want to practice teaching. You can start here. There's grace here. What does grace do? Grace allows you to get built up. It's the act of grace that we read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's saying the act of grace is going to help do what? Build up the church, to build up the believers in Jerusalem. That's what the whole act of grace is that we're speaking about here in, in, in chapter 8. The act of grace is going to help someone else get built up. The act of grace from Jesus Christ helps us to be built up. We're nothing. We're nothing. This is why we want to reach the world because they're in a problem. It's a problem. If you don't have grace, it's a problem. We have the grace of Jesus Christ, so we're built up. It's in our weakness, he is made strong. Right? Like, this is the thing. So it's grace. If you want to do something, start here, as our pastor shared with us. Amen. So in, in closing, um, in closing, I want to share. I want to share another story. Actually, in closing. Um, so, in in his book, uh, the Jesus I Never Knew, uh, Philip Yancey tells a story. Um, he tells a story of a friend of his 
that uh, he was in Chicago. He's in Chicago, and he's working with the, the down and outs in the area, you know. And um, he got speaking to a prostitute, and the prostitute began to explain that, um, you know, she was having a hard time making ends meet, and uh, she had a two-year-old daughter, and she was now got to the stage where she was renting out her two-year-old daughter as well as herself because she could make more money per hour renting out her two-year-old daughter. And as she went through the story, uh, it's just a, a horrific story. And um, as she got to the end of the story, um, the friend was horrified, just didn't know what to say. And then as the friend came to themselves, they, the only thing they could think of to say to the prostitute was, have you tried going to a church? And the prostitute had a really sort of shocked look on her face and she was like, why would I go to a church? Like, I feel bad as it is. If I went to a church, they'd only make me feel worse. And as I read the story, I thought, wow, like, that's so sad that people will think that of the church. And I began to think that this is an actual opportunity for us to let people see what grace really is. Because there's people out there that are looking at the church thinking, it's, if I go in there, there's going to be no grace there. It's, it's going to be ungrace, it's going to be judgment, it's going to be condem con con condemnation, all this sort of stuff. But it's for us to show the grace. To show the grace. Okay? It's not going to cost them anything. And it, it may cost us a lot. It may cost us offence. It may cost us pain. It may cost us something. But that's the point that, 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 that Paul was making in, in verse 9. He's saying, look, you need to look at Jesus because it cost him everything. And it may cost you something. It may cost you being persecuted. It may... Cost you losing, it may cost you something. However, that is what we're called to do. That is what, in our love, that we should do because we've received it. Amen? Amen. And it makes me think of uh, the scripture where, uh, actually the parable, where Jesus um, uh, uh, speaks about a king, a king that um, called in his debts. He was calling in his debts. And he... He, he called them in, and there was a, there was a man that, that, owed, that owed him a lot. And it says that one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So he owed him quite a bit. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had. And the payments to still be made. And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of his pity, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when, the same, uh, when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. And this story is a real display of grace and ungrace. One man shows grace. 
And one man receives grace but doesn't show grace. And I want to encourage us all, let us not be that second man. Let us not be the receivers of grace, as we have done, as you all have done. We all receive grace. But let us be those who also show grace to others. Let that not be our story that we heard in Philip Yancey's book. Let the people not say, well, why would I go there? There's not going to be any grace here. Let them run here. Let them run into this place knowing that they're going to receive grace. When they're at rock bottom, let them run here. When they've got nowhere else to turn, let them run here that they can receive grace. Amen? Amen. 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 So I really pray that this message has blessed you. And I pray that as we go into this giving season, that we would be givers of grace. Amen? Amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Amen. Amen.